This talk's going to start a whole nother way than it did first service. So, governors are a good thing if you're a parent of small children who have go-karts. I grew up with one, a go-kart. And I remember my dad telling me, oh, yeah, there's a governor on it. It won't go too fast. And in an effort to slow the go-kart down to where it wasn't dangerous. But again, what a governor does is restrict the flow of gas into the engine so the go-kart wouldn't have more power, and therefore I wouldn't, like, run through walls and run into things and kill myself. Well, as a parent now, that's, you know, I appreciate governors. And what I'm learning is that there are all kinds of governors that we put on vehicles that our children ride. We do them in different ways. We use them, I mean, on a skateboard, even though there's no engine on a skateboard. Rusty bearing, take that sucker out, let it soak in water, oxidize, rust. What happens? The wheel doesn't roll as fast. Bearing acts as a governor, less power, right? What about a bicycle? How can you have a governor on a bicycle? Huh? Flat tire. You let the air out of the tire. That's right. When my kids are learning how to ride a bike, you think I pump it up to full PSI? Heck no. I let the air out in both tires. They're practically riding on the rims. That's the governor I have right there. They're pedaling as hard as they can. They're like, you know, and, and whenever I was a kid, you know, I started hearing my dad talk about this governor that restricted power. And I knew that power, more power, yeah, more danger, but more speed. And so I remember, like, when we got a boat, I had a little, I grew up in South Florida, and we got this little Boston Whaler. It was a 13-foot Boston Whaler with a 55 Evan Root on it. It went, like, 50 miles an hour. And I weighed like 110 pounds. And so I could barefoot behind and all this stuff. It wasn't enough though. I heard there was a governor on that sucker. So what did I do? Take the engine cover off. And I'm looking for the governor. I don't know what it looks like. I don't even, I told you I didn't know what it does. I'm looking for the governor. You know, I'm screwing with screws and doing all this stuff. You know, trying to increase the power. You know, and so there's this whole thing. You know, as, I was, as we were worshiping, I was just thinking of, in this age group with you guys, you know, one of the reasons that Paul writes the letter to the Corinthians is to demonstrate and communicate that there is a governor that is needed for you when it comes to operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And with this age group, when we were worshiping, I thought, you know, that is central to you guys really being cut free, let loose, to enjoy the power of the Holy Spirit, to move in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in a way that doesn't hurt yourself in a way that doesn't hurt other people. And so he's given us a governor. God has given us a governor when it comes to operating in the power of the Spirit. That's amazing. I got all that just in, during worship? That's why I get paid so much, folks, right there. No, I'm just kidding. But, but with this age group, with the younger age group, you know, a bunch of you guys, I mean, I remember, you know, it's, it's, all, it's hard to not be drawn into the power aspect of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Wanting to move in the power of the Spirit. Wanting to do miracles. Wanting to heal. Wanting to teach. Wanting to do all of these things for, quote, God's glory. And I think that a lot of us begin with good intentions. But we taste a little bit of that power, and what happens? Right to our head. Right to our head. And so God, in the book, or in the letter to the Corinthians, talks to us about the importance of a governor. And last week, I talked about the first part of chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians and how Paul was talking to the church about how important it is for us to value the lesser gifts, to empower people who have the lesser gifts. And what I want to talk about this week is 
what the governor is. What's the governor that God's given us so that we don't hurt ourselves and we don't hurt other people? And it's right there in the first chapter. I mean, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm not going to, I'm going to skip through it just because I want to, to show you an illustration that demonstrates what that governor is and the importance of that governor. But when Paul, basically what's happening is in the second half of chapter 12, really uh, verses 12 to 26, God begins to talk about how the gifts work best. The first 12 verses are about the gifts of the Spirit. The next chunk is about the church and how the gifts work best. And he frames the context within the chapter to the Corinthians that the gifts work best when they're incorporated into the body of Christ. When they're working in a way that brings glory to Jesus Christ through the outworking of the Spirit in the church and through the church. And so how we relate to Jesus and how we relate to each other, because it's his church and we are the church, those are the governors that Paul has given us when he's talking to us about ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's within that context of the church that the gifts exist for the edification of the body, for, for the edification, the, the building up of you and you and you, you know, each other. But it's also within the context of Jesus Christ. He's the one. He's the head. He's the one who operates and functions within the body that allows us the freedom to move within the spirit because we can trust our love for him is leading us and that he's leading us in his love for us. Does that make sense? So that's, that's what I want to demonstrate and talk about. And again, I would encourage you to go back and read more specifically the second part of chapter 12. If you want to, if you want to, I mean, basically it's where it talks about the foot and the hand. You know, the foot doesn't say to the hand, you know, we don't need you, Mr. Hand. Look at us. We're the foot. Look at my big toe, baby. I'll kick you. You know what I mean? It's like, we don't see those things. And, and it talks about the, the diversification of each of us within the body and the importance of, of giving uh, power, or not power, giving um, or demonstrating love for one another and how we treat each other when it comes to the gifts that God has given us. But they all come from one spirit. You know, they all come from, from Christ is basically what Paul talks about. And it gives all those examples and that kind of stuff. And so you need to go read that to, um, if you want to get a better understanding. But I don't want to do all that again because I, I read a lot of that last week. But it leaves us with this opportunity today to talk about, well, how, does, how do the gifts work then? In a practical way, you know, if, if the Corinthian church was getting it wrong, how, how do we avoid getting it wrong like the Corinthian church? Again, in the Corinthian church, what was happening is people were using the gifts to build up themselves. People were using the gifts to oppress other people. And certain gifts, like miracles, like prophecy, like teaching, those gifts, or the gift of tongues, those gifts were being elevated, and people's heads were being filled with power in a way that oppressed the rest of the church. The other thing that was happening is it was taking glory away from Jesus Christ. And they stopped being led by what Jesus wanted and instead were being led by their own greed, their own power, their own desire for more and more and more. Basically, they had taken the governor off. They had taken the governor off and they were just blazing the trail, ministering in the power of the Spirit, but all the while hurting themselves and hurting the church and ultimately hurting other people. And so I want to, you know, and, and if, if that's the message for the Corinthian church, I mean, the message for us is the same. 
The danger for us is the same. You know, Paul didn't, whenever he came to the Corinthian church, he saw chaos ensue. You know, I mean, there's chaos. Bad stuff was going on. But he didn't shut the gifts down, did he? No. He gave us healthy boundaries. He gave us a governor to show us how the gifts work the best. And it's within the church, within the context of the church, and being led by Jesus Christ. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demonstrate. I have a little demonstration I'm going to do. So I need some volunteers. I need some strong volunteers. French, definitely you. Sarah, you. Come on up here. We don't have any volunteers. That's awesome. You're a volunteer. That's going to use you. Go up on stage. Go up there. Okay, we need a few more lady volunteers. Come on. Volunteers. Jessica, come on. One more. We need another guy. Another guy. Come on, Levi. Come on. I'm not going from the back. We need one more lady. Come on. Come on. Beth, come on. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's going to be good. Okay. Now then, what I have here. Back up. Get away from me. Scoot over. Okay. Now, what I have here are these to represent the gifts, okay? And I'm going to hand these out to y'all in no specific order. And on the back of each one is your line that's gonna, that you have to say. Like, you have to say it out loud, like in a loud way, like in a passionate way, because that's your gift, okay? So, Beth, your evangelism, and you say, come, meet my friend Jesus. Go ahead, just practice. Come, meet my friend Jesus. Okay. That's good. Okay, Jessica. And now, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to say that to the end. Now, you're the gift of healing, and you say... Be healed. No, no, no. You say, be healed. Be healed. Nice. That's good. Okay. Sarah, your administration. <laughs> okay, and you say... Let me help you with that. Nice. Okay, and right here we have... This is... I'm saving that one. All right. We have um, hospitality. No. We'll give you hospitality right there. Hospitality. And you say, welcome. No, really. Welcome. That would scare me, okay? It's, <laughs> it's, it's more like, welcome. No, really, welcome. Let's try it again. Welcome. No, really, welcome. Yeah, there we go. That's good. Okay, now we have French. You have the gift of tongues. And you say. Shamalama <laughs> ding dong. All right? That's just representing the gift of tongues, but it's not, we don't want blasphemy because that's a little familiar, okay? And because we have the gift of tongues, we need prophecy, interpretation, and you say, no, come on, Levi, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. There we go. That's better. That's much better. Okay, now what I need y'all to do, this demonstration, okay? So I'm going to be, I'm going to play the role of Jesus, Okay. Just to, just to give you a picture of what the church should look like. The first picture I'm going to give you is a healthy church and the gifts functioning and the way they were created to function in a healthy way, okay? So Jesus, now what you need to do is y'all need to form a circle facing inward, okay? So someone needs to, you, need, you need to stand right here, French, because girls don't like to stand with their butts that way. Okay, so come here. <laughs> Last service, it was a nightmare, okay? I'll just say that. Okay, I know, I know. Like you don't want to stand there. So I was like, what up, baby? Let's go. I'll be Jesus. And I did most of my talk like this. But anyway. Okay, so. Scoot over. You're in a circle. Okay, so Jesus, that's me, plays a role. I pull together the church, right? And I, who gives out the gifts? Jesus gives out the gifts. The spirit. Okay, so he gives the spirit to all of y'all. All of y'all. I give the gifts. I give the gifts. And now which way, who are they looking to? They're looking at me. Are they looking at each other? 
No, because Jesus is the one who pulled them together. Jesus is the one who gave them the gifts. Jesus is where their attention is on. Okay, so it's my church. I know what my father wants. I'm on a mission from him to grow the bride. Okay, so what do I do? If I'm Jesus, I'm like, all right, I think it's time where we're going to start welcoming people in the church. So I touch Chris and I go, okay, hospitality, do your thing. Say it. Welcome. So Jesus, I got it. I came to me go, we go, okay, we want to. Be healed. So Jesus leads, someone's healed. And then all of a sudden we have a little teaching. Come, we will praise you. A little evangelism. And then all of a sudden, just like, we can get really crazy. Now, here we go. Somebody ding dong. Let's say it the Lord. Okay. And so the church is functioning as it should function. Who's leading the church? Jesus. Props for Jesus. Okay. Okay. So Jesus is leading the church. Jesus is empowering the spirit, giving the spirit where the spirit needs to go based on what his father's telling him, right? So, and their eyes are focused on Jesus. They're not looking at each other. Their love for Jesus, their love for the church and what's happening in the church is allowing them, regardless of what their gifts are, to just do what Jesus has given them to do, right? And so, the, so where, where's Gerald? Come on, Gerald. Come on, little boy. Little Holy Spirit boy, my little dove. Okay, so Jesus speaks to Gerald, woos Gerald. He knocks him on the ground, makes it so he can't move. and goes, I'm going to go check this church out. So Jesus brings, come here. No. So Jesus brings Gerald into the church. Now what happens? Gerald's never experienced any of the gifts of the Spirit, okay? The gifts are supernatural. So the potential is what? Freaked out. Bye-bye. Okay, but that's not what happens because what happens is the Holy Spirit goes, man, And then he goes, Let me help you with that. normal. So he's meeting Jesus, hanging out, everything's normal. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, what in the world's that? Well, let's say it's the Lord. Right. Oh, okay. That's a little different. And then I got this problem, and then all of a sudden, be healed. And so what's Gerald's experience? He's experienced the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? But... Who orchestrated it based on their knowledge of who Gerald is? Jesus, right? So all of their attention was on Jesus, not on Gerald, on Jesus. The Holy Spirit moved and touched the church, empowered the church in a unique way so that Gerald could be ministered to exactly how Jesus wanted Gerald to be ministered to, right? And so, the con- so what happens then? Gerald might go, wow, that gift of tongues, that was kind of weird. And it should be because it's super powerful and supernatural and so he might be a little weirded out by that but he goes but man it all pointed at jesus it all led me to this person of jesus and i I mean i just experienced the love of jesus and and it it doesn't matter if it was weird I, i mean that's what i need that's what's different that's what i want and so then what happens is gerald then joins the body based on his experience of the body and he gets a gift adding to the body adding to the diversity of the body And that's what it should look like. Stay here. That's what it should look like, is that Jesus remains in the center. Their love for Jesus to build his kingdom remains central to how they use the gifts. How do they know they use the gifts? Because they're led by their love for Jesus, to glorify Jesus, to just do and be obedient to what he gives them to do. They're not looking at each other. They're not looking at Gerald. They're not wanting his attention. They're trying to please Jesus, their master, the one that they're in love with, whose church it is. And powerful things will happen when we move in the power of the Spirit. But with love as our governor, we do it in a way that is consistent with what Jesus wants, not what we want. 
So it never becomes about us. When it becomes about us, it looks scary. We vie for and try to get people's attention. We want people to acknowledge our gifts. We want people to be empowered the way that we want them to be empowered so we get the attention. And we end up operating outside of what Jesus wants to do. And so this is what happens. Joe, go sit down right there for a minute. Okay, there we go. Good boy. All right, so what happens then is Jesus pulls the church together, and then all of a sudden the gifts or the people of the church, that's a little puberty. (laughs) Jesus went through puberty too. Okay, that's all I'm saying. All right, so the church then pulls together, and, all, and then all of a sudden they take their eyes off Jesus. And what happens in that situation is Jesus gets pushed to the outside. So who are they looking at now? Each other, right? Where are they getting their cues from? Each other, right? They're not looking at Jesus. They're not being led by Jesus. And so they're like, well, I got this gift of tongue, so all of a sudden I'm just going to start using it. Jesus didn't tell me to use it, but it's the only thing I know how to do. And they say all the gifts work that way, Okay. And so what happens? Now, all of you start using your gifts at once without any direction. Go ahead. Stop. Now, just observing that, you're like, that's chaos. That is out of control. That's exactly what Paul was seeing when he looked at the Corinthian church. That's exactly what was happening. Is there was no regard for what Jesus wanted to do. It was no regard for each other. There's no regard for the encouraging and building up of the church. It was all about themselves and oppressing some and raising certain gifts higher. Okay, so this is where it really gets bad. This is where people get hurt. Come on. So, so, so Gerald's going to come into the group now. Hey, Jesus is going to woo Gerald. And Gerald goes in. Start trying to win him over, gang. Go. Come on. Convince him. Okay, and what? Now, now poor Gerald. What does Gerald naturally want to do? Get the heck out of Dodge. He doesn't have anything to do with that chaos. Is it any wonder that people who have been in churches that operate in the gifts without the love of Jesus and without love for each other end up leaving and resorting back to a church that doesn't function in the power of the Spirit that way because it's at least safe, it's at least normal, I'm not going to get hurt there. And so the issue we have today is very same to the church in Corinth. Without Jesus in the center, acting as a governor, directing the gifts, their love for Jesus being central to their power that's been given to them, the church will hurt themselves and the church will hurt other people. It will always happen because we were not meant to carry that kind of power on our own. The other thing that happens is that they quit loving each other. They, cu- they quit working in a way that demonstrates love for each other because they're all about themselves. Okay, y'all can sit down. Give me, my, give me my stuff. Give me my stuff. Give me my gifts back. Jesus gets the gifts back. I could give them out. A little toolbox, remember? Good job. Give me a hand. Give me a hand. They did great. And so... When the gifts, when we move in the power of the Spirit, and we don't, and we're not being motivated by our love for Jesus, and we're not being motivated by our love for each other, and what's best for the church, what's best for other people, what's best for Jesus, the person who comes to the church loses. We lose. The church loses. Jesus loses. It's a lose-lose situation across the board. But that's what we see happening. You know, when I was... I was 
praying about this last night and wondering, like, how does that happen today? How do we allow this to happen? It seems so clear, doesn't it? It seems so simple when Jesus remains at the center, clearly designed to be the governor in our personal life and in the church to direct and lead us in a way that we don't harm ourselves or each other. But Paul tells us exactly the reason it happens. The same reason it happened in Corinth is the same reason it happened today. And I've already been talking about it. But Paul tells us in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1, he says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Pursue love first and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. It's not either or. It's not, okay, if I pursue love, then I'll get the gifts. You know, so it's not a formula, but it's not, okay, I'm just going to pursue love. I don't really care about the gifts. It's both and. We are designed for both. Paul tells us, I mean, whenever you started coming to River City and we're just getting going about four years ago, what did I talk about? Eagerly pursuing all the gifts. Eagerly pursuing all the gifts because we were all evangelicals, weren't we? And we have been taught to love Jesus. We have been taught to study our Bibles. We have been taught to pursue the fruit of the Spirit. We had that kind of down better than we did pursuing the gifts of the Spirit. And so we talked about the importance of pursuing and being open and going after all the gifts and the power. We're four years older now. And the message that God has for us this morning that he warns us of is the same message that he warned the Corinthians of. If you don't pursue love, you're going to hurt people, River City. If you don't pursue Jesus... You're going to hurt people. If he's not the object of your affection, if he's not what you're after, if you're after the gifts, if you're after the power, without a governor, you're going to get it wrong. It doesn't matter what your motivation is. Without the governor of Jesus Christ and loving Jesus first, you're going to hurt people. And so I was studying last night a little bit about what does it mean to pursue Love. I mean, what's the difference? Pursue love, desire the gifts. Are they the same in the Greek? I mean, so I was doing some research, and basically, it means this. To pursue love means this. To press hard after with earnestness, seriousness, with intensity, and a diligence in order to obtain. Okay, to, so, it's, it's, so it, it's like, to pursue love, it's like it's an action. It's something that we in, in, intentionally engage in with the understanding that as we engage in pursuing Christ as a priority, we will encounter his love. We will attain what Christ has died to give us. Okay, again, it's not based on what we do, though. It comes from Jesus. It's what he's done for us. But Paul tells us we need to be grounded in this reality of pursuing Jesus, of seeking him first, of getting after him with a seriousness and intensity that we are never going to stop till we get it. We are going to go and go and go and go and go until we experience more of Jesus and his love and we give more of Jesus and his love. And then the second part of the verse talks about this. To desire, and again, just to unpack that word you know, a little bit, to desire passionately or earnestly, enthusiastically, spiritual gifts, to enthusiastically desire the gifts. But, but they're gifts. They have to be given to us. If you think about the desires of your heart, what do you think about? Things that you hope to receive. But they're gifts. They're given to you. 
And the language around, if you think about desire, it's different. It feels different than pursue, doesn't it? It's a little more passive. I mean, when I think about desiring something, it's a little more passive. So I think what Paul's trying to communicate to us is, you know, if you're going to handle the power of the gifts, you have to pursue love. You can't take your eyes off Jesus. You can't stop loving each other. You can't stop loving Jesus. Because when you do, you'll get the desires, but they won't have a governor. And you'll end up hurting yourself, hurting the church, and hurting other people. And I started reading this last night, and I started asking the question, can pursuing love, is, is it really that important? I mean, we all know we're supposed to love, but, I mean, how important is it? I mean, there's, there's lots of fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, you know, faith, all, the, all those. Why doesn't Paul emphasize those other gifts? Why doesn't Paul tell us? Why does he emphasize, is, is love, or should we, I mean, is it really that important? And I think it is. I think it's yes. Obviously, that's what my talk's on. But anyway, pursuing, it's only as we pursue loving Jesus and pursue our love for each other that the gifts will be given and used as God desires for them to be given and used. And I was reminded of the Pharisee or the Sadducee or that religious person who asked Jesus, Jesus, how important do you think love is? He didn't ask it in that way. He asked it in this way. He said, what's most important, Jesus? And what did Jesus say? That's easy. Most important is to love me. Second most important thing is to love each other. There's no greater commandments than those two. Black and white. It's that simple. Love me and love each other. I mean, that's what Jesus said. If Jesus thinks it's important, I think it's pretty important. I'm just going on a limb here. If Jesus says that, we should take it very seriously. And we get in trouble. We get in trouble with the gifts and as a church when we stop loving Jesus. Because when we stop loving Jesus, we can't love each other. When we stop loving Jesus, we can't love each other. And here's the kicker. You're not going to like this part. I'm just warning you. And when we are not loving Jesus, we can't love each other. And when we can't love each other, there's only one person left to love. One person left to look out for. And who's that? It's us. We start loving ourselves. We're drawn into this cycle in our life where we have to affirm ourselves. We have to have people love us. We want people to like us. We want people to see our power. We want people to see the wealth of the Spirit in our lives. So they'll follow us. They'll compliment us. And we begin this process of edification for, our, for ourselves, we were created to love and to give love. And if we're not loving Jesus, that means we can't love other people. If we're not loving other people, that means all of that effort is coming right back to me. And we all struggle with that. All of us struggle with that at some level. It's exactly what we see happening in the church in Corinth. Them loving themselves to the point where they were hurting other people. Glorifying the gifts that they had been given by God at the expense of loving each other. And in no way, respective of loving Jesus. And Paul sees the danger of this. And we see it in the way, God sees the danger of this. And we see it in the way that Paul communicates it. Just in the structure of how he structured 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Specifically in chapter 12, we see 
Paul talk about the gifts. And then we see in verses 1 to 11, 12 to 26, we see Paul talk about the church and what the context of the church is where the gifts work best and loving each other for the edification of each other and building up one another. And then we see him talk about the gifts again at the, at the end. And then again in chapter 12, 13, and 14, what do we see? What pattern? Chapter 12, spiritual gifts, right? Chapter 13, love. Chapter 14, spiritual gifts. It's like Paul knows. He knows how we act when we get after the gifts. We forget about loving Jesus. We can't love each other. And we end up loving ourselves. And the gift and the power of the gifts gets out of control. And we end up doing mass destruction. Love is the foundation that allows the gifts to function in your life and in the life of the church as they were created to. It's the governor that God's given us so that you become, you can become who God created you to be. And the church can be who God's created her to be. So uh, the questions are easy at this point. The purpose of the talk, where God's going with this. First question, do you love Jesus? You know, are you passionately? And think about the definition I gave you. Are you pursuing with a diligence and a seriousness and an intensity? Are you pursuing Jesus that way? With the idea that I'm, he, I'm not stopping till I get some of that. I'm not going to let go till I get some of that. I'm going and I'm going after Jesus and I'm going hard and I'm going until I get some of his love. I want more of his love. I need more of his love. Love, please, Lord, pour out your love. And we're pursuing Jesus. And again, there, there are no formulas for this because how we experience God's love is different based on our personalities, our experience, our backgrounds. But we provide, we see right at the top of River City Church's value list, what? Intimacy with the Father, the key to everything. And so we have soaking. You know, all of our soaking stuff is designed for you to experience Jesus, to get after his love. You know, the Bible says that we have about Jesus, being in relationship with one another, getting after his love and your love for him. You know, prayer ministry, when we have prayer ministry at the end, what's that all about? You experience your experience of Jesus Christ. We want you to experience his love. We experience his love, all kinds of things can happen. But, you know, ultimately, it's just time alone with him. You need to find time to be alone with him. And again, it's, I just hate saying that in the Bible Belt. Because I know some of you are like, all right, tomorrow morning, hour and a half, put that in my quiet time, my daily planner for the rest of the week, for the rest of my life, I'm going to spend time with Jesus for an hour and a half. Check it off every day. It's not a formula. It's a relationship. And that what Paul talks about is, are you willing to do whatever it takes to get after and stay after Jesus? Until you're experiencing his love. Until your relationship with him is growing. And then secondly, do you love his church? Are you in love with his church? With his kingdom? You know, are you in love with the people around you? Or, or, or during the break when you kind of meet and greet, you know, grip and grin with each other and you say hello to us. Is that where it ends? Is that where it ends? Is that... As much affection and love that you have for each other? Or do you, are you pursuing and sacrificing and getting after in a loving and appropriate way? <laughs> I didn't say that last service. That long, but I got to say that in this group. Because I know there's missionary dating going on in here. That's okay. But are you after the people in the body? This is your home. This is your family. Are you trying to love them in a sacrificial way, in a way 
that you're not stopping until you pour out the love of Jesus in their life, until you receive the love of Jesus from them in your life. Are you in love with his church and his idea and his glory and promoting and building and going after that? And how do we do this? Again, no formulas, but we, that's why we've, we've started over, you know, we've had 30 or 40 small groups start at River City Church with the idea we need to connect people. As we grow large, we have to be intentional about keeping intimate, being intimate with each other. And that's what small groups do. Keep us in each other's lives. Connect groups do the same things. You know, are you involved in the ministries of the church, the different opportunities to demonstrate your love for the church by sacrificing? Are you giving to the church with your time, with your money, with your resources? Again, one act of many of demonstrating your love for her in a sacrificial way. Praying for the church. Functioning in the role that God has given you. When it's time for prayer ministry, as a prayer minister, you're thinking, I'm going to receive today. You're thinking, I want to love people today. I want to pour out. I want to sacrifice for people today and ministry first, and then I want to receive. I mean, again, I don't know the answers to these questions. I just know that these are the things that create the environment for us to move in the power of the Spirit in a way that doesn't hurt other people or hurt ourselves. It's not until we become serious and intentional about both of these love relationships with Jesus and with each other that we will become who God created us to be as individuals or as a church. You know, and, and, we, and so we need to ask the question, if you're not seeing the power of the Spirit manifest in your life like you would like, the question I would have for you this morning is, how well are you loving Jesus? How well are you loving your brothers and sisters? And we have to have both. We can't just love Jesus. We're just going to, I'm just going to love Jesus. I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to love him. I don't know about the other people in the church. They're kind of weird, you know, and they're awkward at times. I just don't know about that. But I love Jesus. Well, what happens then? Well, then we become self-focused as a church, don't we? We become a fat, lazy church. You know, that's only pursuing Jesus. And we stop going outside of the four walls. We stop bringing that blessing beyond ourselves in a sacrificial way and loving each other becomes kind of intra-focused, okay? And so we have to not only love Jesus, but we have to love other people. We have to love each other. And what happens, though, when we love each other without Jesus? We glorify ourselves. You know, we glorify our ministries. Things become about our effort. It doesn't lead people back to Jesus. It doesn't lead people into a relationship with Jesus. It doesn't lead people into a place where they're experiencing the love of Jesus. They're acts of obedience, but without the love of Christ... Being our motivation, there's no eternal impact. Without love, you are nothing, is what Paul tells us, doesn't he? Without love, we are nothing. We can do nothing. We are nothing. Our efforts, our actions are nothing without the love of Christ being the center of our life, leading us into that. It's only when we love Jesus and love each other that we can handle ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit as individuals and as a church. God's power without love will destroy people. It will destroy us because we weren't weren't made to manage his his power. And it will will hurt other people. And again, we've seen this time and time again in, in ministries where people are elevated above Jesus. If you want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, become who Christ made you to be. 
functioning in his body in the power of his Holy Spirit in a way that does not destroy you or those around you. It's all about love. All you need is love. Let's stand. We're going to do ministry now.